0: What's up, everybody? This is Storm Batiste. And this is VF. And welcome back to episode 39 of Made Made Man Podcast. Podcast. Bringing you everything that we think every man should know, no matter if you're white, black, skinny, or fat. These are the facts. Facts. And everything that we think every man of the 21st century should know about. Savings, investing, dating, everything else in between. Welcome back to another episode. How is, uh, how's everybody doing? I'm feeling,
1: um, I ain't gonna lie to you. I ain't all the way here. Um, it's a lot going on in the world right now. So, you know, I'm using the podcast as kind of like an outlet, I guess. Um, lit, bro. Yeah, it's, it's just, um, you know, like, it, it's it's a very different time. Like I, we've seen this before, but it feels a little bit different, and I don't even know how to describe it. But it just seems like, you know, it, it's just... The veil has been pulled on America so many times. But I think that, you know, this time just seems like everybody's paying attention, and we're seeing, like, the intricacies of how, like... You know, like people really try to infiltrate our communities and make us seem worse than
0: what we are. Sound like he got a lot to talk about. So we definitely going to get into that. Before we do, though, we do have two special guests on today. We really appreciate y'all coming onto the show. Can y'all just kind of introduce yourself, where you're from, what you do, uh, just a little bit about yourself.
2: Um, thanks. Sorry. Brooklyn is real route. Um, Mark Scott, Brooklyn, New York. Um, I work in HR for a tech company. Um. What was the last question? Sorry.
0: Oh, like so where you from? You from New York?
2: I'm from Brooklyn, New York, born and raised. Yeah, the real bed, bed style before coffee shops were invented.
0: Thanks. Before coffee shops yeah. were invented. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you were in Brooklyn before it got all gentrified and all these okay. outsiders started coming in. Exactly. Cool.
2: Okay. Yes, sir. <clears> thanks <throat>
3: for having me. All right, then I, uh, my name is Mike Johnson. Uh, I'm born and raised in New York. Uh, Bronx originally and then moved upstate to Rockland County. I uh, went to Hampton University. I currently work for Major League Baseball.
0: Hey, that's lit, cool. man. Damn, two New York natives. This is this rare. Sir? We had like two people that are actually from New York, like, and still in New yeah, York. Yeah, this is the
1: first time this happened. So, yeah.
0: That's kind of lit, man. Well, welcome.
1: Glad y'all could be here today. We really appreciate it. Um, Likewise. We to talk about a lot to get through. So, why don't you pop it off, Christian?
0: Yeah, definitely, man. So before we just kind of dive into it, man, I'm glad y'all doing all right. Uh, it's good to see that everybody okay. Look like I ain't got no haircuts either, so I feel a lot more comfortable <laughs> it's now. Real out here. Well, that we all on the same <laughs> page right now. We all going through the struggle right now of being quarantined in the house. So uh, that that's good to see that everybody's uh, good there. I did try to get myself a haircut. I think Brian did, too. So. Yeah, I did.
1: I'm keeping my hat on <laughs> because it ain't growing back either right
0: now. Bless y'all. Yeah. But anyway, we just want to start it off with some icebreakers right now. So what I've been doing lately is some polls on uh, Instagram just to get some people's uh, ideas or to see how people feel about certain situations. Most of them have to do with relationships because that is what we tend to talk about a lot. So what we're going to do is we're just going to ask you a question based off the poll that we had, see what your answer is, why you chose that answer, and then give you what the majority of people chose. See if you like everybody else. or see if, you know, you're a little bit different. All right, man. Uh, do you want to do this first?
1: Or I'll go through it first. Okay. So, first poll is um, their best friends. So, Shorty's best friends with their ex, but she says it's strictly platonic. Y'all going for it or no? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: I would say, personally, uh, I'm not really a big fan of that but at the same time as a man I'm not insecure where I'm going to like you know get upset about that you know cuz I think like if that's my girl I got to trust her um I knew what I was walking into prior I feel like that would be something that she would tell me prior so a um if it's something that I would I want to embark upon along with her I would like, accept that. Uh, I'm not an insecure man myself, so it ain't gonna really bother me. I trust you if you tell me it's platonic. And I'll just leave it like that. Good
0: trusting guy, man. That's a, that's a good guy right there, man. Hey, look,
3: man. I mean, it, it comes hands in hand, you know what I'm saying? Because I got girlfriends. They not my ex, but I got girls that, like, I consider, like, family. You know what I'm saying? So, like, if a girl was to tell me, like, oh, I don't like her. You can't be with her because I don't like her. And I'm gonna just look at you like, all right, well, I knew her longer than I knew you.
2: So you might not like this answer, you okay. know what I'm saying? So that's the way okay. I see it, at least. I'm gonna roll, I'm, I'm I'm gonna plus one that one. <laughs> um, on it. <laughs> I, I agree with Mike, like if you know your girl, especially like real life situation, I've been with my girl so long. I know all her friends, but mainly I know her heart. I know her intent, gotcha. you know, so I'm gonna pick up on that. And if I'm doing my job, whatever my job is as a partner, uh-huh. that should
3: be the, the
2: least of my worries.
3: Talk that talk, man. Hey man. Um, <laughs> talk yeah. that talk, he said, if I know my job, I'm That's, doing my that was job well.
1: That, uh, was real, that was a real mature answer, mature. Real, real mature. Now, I'm gonna take a different take on this. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going for that. It's no, Now nah. nah, you're strictly platonic. Like, think, of, think about it like this. It's not that I don't trust her, it's probably that I don't trust a her, her guy best friend,
3: right?
1: That's a okay. dude I don't trust.
3: Right.
1: So, because I think that because I've got, I have friends that just ain't shit. We all got those friends that just like, quick <laughs> dog and check out. We do. And so I see how men move. So it's not that I don't trust her. It's just that, you know, I don't trust him. So it's going to be a no for me.
0: For me, and I'm going to make this real quick. I'm just going to say nah. No, been there, done that, nah. And I know myself, like, I've gotten back with my ex before. Like, I've, it was obviously something there at one point. I'm not saying it's there anymore, but, I mean, it might happen again. She might still be feeling me. Like, I don't want to put a situation there that doesn't have to be there. Like, if you're friends with your ex, like, I get it. Like, I trust you, but, like, I just don't trust the situation. And it's just, it put my nerves at ease. And I'm not really insecure either. I'm a little insecure. But, like, it's just easy like, <laughs> people for you to have, like, as friends. Choose one them. Not your ex that you shared a bond with. Like, nah, I'm not going for that shit. What was the answer that they gave you?
1: Uh, I forgot the numbers, but everybody said no. <laughs> it,
0: was
1: like, it was like 98%. It, it was like nah. 98%. Everybody was like, nah.
2: I, I'll be interested to know how many of those people are single.
3: I can get you some action. Hey, that's,
2: <laughs> that's, a, that's a point. That's a good point.
3: That's a fact. Yo, I, I put it like this. I'm single right now, so... Like, to me, I'm just like, if that's your male best friend, just have that same energy. I'm with Mike on that. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm with Mike on all that. Just, I'm, a, I'm a big advocate for that, though. I match energy. So if you got a homeboy that you telling me is your ex, you know what I'm saying? Oh, but y'all just platonic, but you always at his crib. That's your best friend. Right. Like, just understand, when you call me and I tell you, like, yo, I'm at a shorty crib, and it's platonic, I want that same trust, because-
1: basketball a lot. That's asking
3: not. Nah, 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 just hear me out, just hear me out. Like, if you telling me, if I'm if I'm trusting you enough to be like, yo, that's your ex, I knew he was breaking your back. Like, I accept that, you know what I'm saying? I accept that he was doing that before they broke up. Just understand, like, yo, I'ma have my homegirls. Not necessarily that I was breaking their back, but they just my homegirls, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I, don't, I-, I wanna hear, like, none of that, like, yo, I don't want you hanging out with her because it's a woman. I don't trust, like, have that same energy. I trust you to do you, trust mm-hmm. me to do me, and understand that I ain't gonna break the bond that we got, and, I, and I'll just leave it like that.
0: You got it. All right, so the quote of the day that we have is, you can't separate peace from freedom because no one can be at peace unless he has freedom.
2: Hmm yeah that's that's heavy can you say that again
0: yeah for sure for sure so you can't separate peace from freedom because no one can be at peace
3: unless he has freedom i'm gonna let you talk on that one first man
2: yeah appreciate it um i think that's that's fitting for the times that we're in now um even prior to like systematic oppression just um even if it's day-to-day at your job with your family putting up boundaries um even thinking freely i think i think peace and calm and you know a lot of us are like moving towards like what is peace what is calm you know meditation and things of that nature but until you're free and it could be from anything it could be from vices it could be from the present the omnipresent until you uh get out of those shackles there is no peace i I would i would agree that's a powerful message
3: i agree um i'm a a second that, and a um a little deeper with that one just in my opinion at least uh you cannot to me be at peace with yourself if you feel that there's something holding you back um whether that be when you say freedom, just not even making it about the situation that's going on today, but whether that be with where you have your career aspirations, how you feel about things going forward in your life. I feel like you can't have peace until you free, feel like you're free from whatever that's holding you back. Now, bringing that to where we are in a climate that we're currently living in, uh, with everything going on in society, not just today, but the past 400 plus years, um, that's real deep. I feel that a um, with that being said, like this freedom thing, especially when it comes to African Americans, is is it's, it's it's hitting it's it's hitting this uh, pivotal point where a, um, I feel like things are really gonna start to make a change. Hopefully, because uh, that's the best thing you can do is just be hopeful for the future. And I'm gonna just leave it with that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that quote like just hits me different today. Like I, I, I picked out this quote, and it was because, and this was like yesterday, and um, you know, I know it was fitting for the times, but I think it, I think that it hit me differently today because, you know, peace and the, the connection between peace and freedom is is powerful, and I think that the way that I look at it and the way that it's moving today is that like. I think finally, like I was saying earlier that, you know, America has time and time, time and time again, seen the veil pulled down as far as how black people in this country have no peace, because we have no type of freedom. We don't own anything. We have, we don't have any economic type, any economic power, any real, real social capital. And I think that it's really just boiled over to today, like combination with the pandemic, just um, with the killings of black men, black women, like I think it's just boiled over to today. Like people are sick and tired, like a people can take so much or a person, anybody can just take so much because at the end of the day, like if you're living in a way that just from day, on a day-to-day basis, you're just surviving, you'll never have that peace. And until I think like things change I think that this is going to stay around a little bit longer. Like what's happened recently is gonna be here a little bit longer. So yeah, that's my take on it.
0: Yeah, man, y'all honestly like cover everything. I don't like have anything else really to contribute. But like in unless you are free, like you can never really be at peace mentally. Like and that's what we're currently fighting for right now, just to you know, have that freedom to do the same things that everybody else can do based off what they're saying. This is a country of equality where we all have the same rights, but we don't. <laughs> and we don't. And we aren't really free. It's just like a false sense of freedom. They've given us a false sense of peace that we have. And we've seen it six years ago when this happened. Now it's just like everybody was hype about that. kind of died down. Now we back here again as if six years didn't happen. You know, it's just like the, a repeated process. And so there is no freedom. Like you say, it's at a tipping point right now people are just like sick of the same exact thing happening. And I don't want to get too, cause I want to go into the topic that we're going to talk about. But yeah, like I totally agree with the quote. Um, you can't, you can't truly have peace unless you're free. But I appreciate y'all giving us y'all's take on that. I, I like the fact that y'all really each dove and took you a different angle with that. Cause I can already tell it's going to be a good topic. What we, what we kind of wanted to address today And mainly focus on, like, we do know there's a lot going on right now in the community and economy, especially with black people. Uh, So we did want to talk today specifically about black people, but more so in terms of, like, trauma in black men. Because black men are the ones that are going through, uh, you know, we're the ones that are being killed a majority of the time in these killings. We are the ones being targeted. And uh, we deal with a lot of stuff that we have to hold in, for the most part, because we're not allowed to express those feelings. We're not allowed to feel those and show weakness just because because of societal norms and just being black. Sometimes people just look at you like you're weaker or like you're a sissy or something like that. So I wanna discuss it. I wanna talk about black trauma. So um, the first thing that we're gonna get into, and I appreciate uh, Mark, uh, when we we spoke to you before we jumped on the call, he uh, actually had this whole Venn diagram that he came up with that was super fucking dope. Um, If you could just kind of go into the diagram that you put together, Kind Of uh, catch us all up to speed on you know how you put it together. You know, I, I know you talked about being prideful, ashamed, and I just kind of let you take it from there, and then we'll all go through our own different um diagrams that we put together.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so just to catch everybody up, they reached out to me talking about you know like my upbringing and um, you know, the black experience. and I told them um, pretty much my upbringing being from Brooklyn, best uh, but also going to private school and. Uh, Brooklyn Heights. So that was basically the duality of the black experience, right? It's um, the Venn diagram of being um, one side being extremely prideful, 100% prideful, your authentic self, and on the other side, um, being shameful, or in our community, we call it selling out. But most of us are in the middle of that Venn diagram, if you could, you know, picture that in your mind. Um, and in the middle is more so of our corporate self or our, you know, unassuming self, non-threatening self. We just kind of
1: yeah, politically correct. So <laughs> Right.
2: We play we most of us do a good job. And I say most of us do a good job. And it, is it a really the question is, is it a good job or is it not? That's a that's a question of itself. But we do a good job of staying within the middle because we don't want to go too far left, too far right, too far up, too far down um and a lot of it is is passed on to us you know and that's the venn diagram part like i think a lot of it has to do with the micro traumas like you don't have to see um a black person get killed in front of you to know like to still go through trauma right like you don't have to see these extreme things and i think that's what a lot of white folks think it's just like well we're not lynching you all like what's the big deal and it's like they don't understand like there's micro traumas like there's a hundred of micro traumas that may equal just one of these large um, life sentences in jail things that they think that like us the four of us i can already tell like we we have a privilege of knowing how to talk and knowing how to mingle and mm. uh, rub shoulders with folks so um that's pretty much how i and i like <laughs> the reason i came up with that venn diagram thing because like that's how i learned with like visual aids type of thing. So I think that's the easiest way to explain like the black experience in America. But I'm also only speaking for myself.
0: Where do you, where do you stand on that diagram? You said in the middle, we all have our own walks of life. So where where are you in that? If you could just like give us something quick on that. Definitely,
2: I, it's funny, I'm definitely in the middle of like, I have a, a corporate side. Like I'm sure the listeners could um, relate. Like when 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 you were young and you had the call ID, and your mom asked you, "Who who's that calling?" And it's like a bill collector or someone important, and she changed her voice. <laughs> like I feel like, <laughs> I feel like most of us, especially like literally, if you have a job that deals with people outside of your race, which that's what we live in New York, that's what it is, or you live in America, that's what it is. Like we're putting on like the way I email is not the way me and Brian, talk on the side, like, but I gotta, I'm gonna email, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dress that up. So, I'm definitely in the middle. I lean more to trying to get to my authentic self, you know, like, I'm still gonna dress how I dress, I'm still gonna talk how I talk. Um, but I'm still, I'm still in this cage, just like everyone else. Of uh, and I, I'm sorry, not everyone else, cause I can't speak for everybody, but I'm in the cage that I think is acceptable and I think I'm gonna be accepted and I think I'm gonna uh be non-threatening you know like we all have that we could talk as tough as we want but we're all trying to to be accepted outside of our race you know and i think true freedom and true authenticity is being who you are 100 percent unfiltered and raw mm-hmm.
3: cool man so i'm more of a visual person just like mark i didn't necessarily do like the two actual circles with the middle i just like literally just broke my my little piece of paper up excuse me to uh like kind of go off of that um similar to you mark i based it off of like how i am as a person versus how i am when i'm at the office um just like you guys say i'm pretty sure everybody does who is a uh, A person of color, not just black, but just because we're all black here, I feel like we do it, um, where it's not something along the lines of like you reiterated, Mark, you have to put on as a, uh, I would say, like the white voice. um, Cold switching, huh? Cold switching. That's the great way to look at it. Uh, Growing up, my dad will always say, Mike, when you, whenever you're in a situation. Think of it like those old televisions that I, uh, was always at your grandma's house where you didn't have a remote, but you actually had to walk up and actually turn the channel. So he says that whenever you go into a new environment, you got to learn how to turn that channel, turn into a different type of mic. So that way you're able to move in that situation with the least amount of resistance, being that you are a black man. So when I am at the office, um, granted that I work for major league baseball and the actual office I do work at is very lenient with how we have to dress. So I can come in with a t-shirt and jeans on or a hoodie on and a hat. I don't necessarily have to be corporate wearing a button up and slacks all the time. However, one thing I don't do is I don't sag my pants uh, while I'm at the office. I don't try to even though there are other black people there, I don't say, like, yo, what up, Ma? You know, like, I don't say, like, those kind of vernacular because I understand that majority of the people I work with don't look like me. And they are listening to what I say and how I react to different situations. might slip out. It so,
1: uh, <laughs> might
3: slip out. Uh, you know, like when we walk into the calf, and I know that nobody's around me, I'm not going to confirm nor deny that information. Yeah. You know, it's a possibility. It's a possibility. I
1: looked around. I looked around like, oh, did anybody hear me say
3: that? No, see, I can't confirm nor deny that information at this time. That's what I can't do. I'm a couple weeks behind because we haven't had to be in the office for a couple weeks, so my memory of what's going on, Right. I, when I go back into the office, I got to change my password because I know it's, it's over for me. It's yeah, over. This <laughs> man is <hilarious>, bro. <laughs> but, um, going back to the topic, um, I think that just me being myself, coming from New York, I know that like, I will always have on my New York fittings, my, my gray hoodie, a white t-shirt, whether it be some clean Air Force Ones or a pair of Timbs. Yeah, we even i call them butters. I don't know how everybody else call it, but I know being from New York, New York yeah. Mark, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. You yeah. call them butters. Like butters I know. You <laughs>
2: I'm
3: just saying, Mark. You know how I go, yo. You got all the clean pair of butters. Like i, I heard you. Copy, he, copy. Okay, like yes. see that type of vernacular. Like I know I can't really use when I'm in the office. When I'm talking to my superiors, mm-hmm. my supervisors, and whatnot. I just yes sir, no sir. Got you right away, sir. Yes ma'am, no ma'am got you right away, man. Like, I, yeah. I automatically go back into that code where like, you know, always be very polite when you're talking to them. Look in Martin eye. Mm-hmm. make sure that you're seen, but you're not necessarily heard all the time, vice versa. And I know it sounds very childish, but that's how you really got to move in corporate America. Make sure that your actions speak louder than words. Um, yeah. Make sure that you're seen in a positive light. You don't always want to seem like a negative. I always try to have a smile on my face. Um, and things like that. But a, uh, I will say this: I will say this. It was one time where I had to check somebody at the office, and it was uh, it wasn't his fault, but it was like, you, you he came over real ignorant. So I, I just gave him the opportunity to black like, huh?
0: Was it a black guy or a white
3: guy? Uh, well, it was the latter. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'll tell I'll tell you the story because it's simple. Um. I was sitting next to a woman, uh, she, she's, she's white, she has an Italian last name. Uh, the dude comes over and he starts talking to her. They'll start talking about the, their last names and what exactly it means. Mm-hmm. She was like, yeah, my last name is, uh, I can't pronounce it, it was Italian, but it pretty much means like south of Sicily. Mm-hmm. And his last name meant that he came from like, um, I think it was, I can't remember off the top of my head, to be honest with you. But it was just more along the lines of he was like, Oh, that's great that your name means south of Sicily based off of your last name. And then he was like, Well, my last name means this. And because I was sitting right next to him, he literally said to me, Mike, what does your last name mean? He walked into that one. (laughs) I just, but I promise you, guys, I promise you, like, I literally just went like this. I I took a calm breath and I said, All right, so how much time do you actually have for this conversation? And he he just didn't, like, he didn't comprehend exactly what I was saying. So the woman was like, dude, why the fuck would you ask Mike that? Like, do you, like, she was like, this got really, really awkward. And I just was literally with a straight face. I said, so how much time do you really have for this conversation? I can give you the short abbreviated version, or I can give you the long version. And he said, well, you know, I got to go get my Uber, so can I just get the short version? (laughs) I said, absolutely. So check this out. Uh, People that were probably around your skin complexion came to Africa, (laughs) brought us across the sea, called the uh, Men's Slate Trans. And then as soon as they did that, they took our names, took everything that we had, took our family away from each other, stripped us of everything that we had beat us to death so that way we were mentally weak but physically strong and then along the lines of separated us so that way we couldn't do anything and gave us their last name based off of how we were owned by that exact prop, uh, as we were seen as property and he just like had a red face like he's like oh my Uber's here and I was just like bro I literally broke that down in 30 seconds you said your Uber's five minutes. I got time to talk to you if you want to have this conversation.
0: You gotta
3: catch right. you. Oh, Nah my Uber's here. And then the girl who was sitting next to me, she just said, I'm so sorry. I was like, listen, it's it's ignorance. It's not ignorance to the point where you're trying to be ignorant, but it's ignorance to the point that your privilege never made you think about asking that question prior to you asking. it." Mm -hmm. But I had to remember that when in that middle gap talking about you having to be corporate america i can't just literally go off and start spazzing on him saying like yo why why would you ask me that question making a scene i just simply said let me educate this dude real quick but in a nice elegant way where i can get my point across very sternly so that he don't ask a dumb question like that again to somebody else who may or may not react the same way Mm -hmm. as well so a um that 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 little story going back to the venn diagram it it, it it keeps me in that in that in that that's how I, I come about it. Like I gotta remember that yes, I am I am a black man. Everything I do is seen as a threat, no matter what it is. I could be going to Starbucks to get me a coffee. And it led to brothers being arrested in Philadelphia. I could be doing the most simplest stuff and could be seen as is as, as a threat. Um just recently with Mart Auburn, he's just jogging down to get a workout and he's seen as a threat for some reason, you know, like It's ridiculous how just because based off of the color of my skin, no matter what I do, I'm seen as a threat. Um, So my middle walk of life is to just like try to be in a situation with the least amount of resistance while still understanding that at the end of the day, Mike, you are a black man. I will go and help anybody who's black. If I know them, even if I don't know them, when I'm, when I'm in the middle of the street, I say this all the time, I got food or I'm near McDonald's or anything and I see a homeless man, yo, what you want? I go buy it for you. I go buy you the food when I can. I ain't going to say I do it for every homeless man. Depends on where my funds is at at the time. But it is, I mean, I got responsibilities as a man. So that's just something that, uh, that's my walking life.
0: Appreciate you sharing that, man. Like, I think it's really important to just hear like that from everybody, because mm-hmm. it's so different and it, it it switches completely from person to person. Like, I know yours is probably completely different from both of theirs. Like, you have, um, I mean, 'cause I know you took some time to do it as well.
1: Uh, yeah. So, um, mine's is, uh, I think, growing up, I was probably on the side of the spectrum where I was like militant black, like very, very prideful. And I think that that was the way that I was raised. And I also grew up on the south side of Chicago. So it's not really diverse. So like, I'm just around black people 24/7. And my parents uh, made a point to make sure like I knew who I was and where I came from. So like all the documentaries, every MLK holiday, like I couldn't watch TV, black history. I couldn't watch TV unless it was related to something about (laughs) black history, black history month. Like I'm going to church. Like we have black history (laughs) service, like, you know, they made a point to make sure I understood like what my lineage was and how I should like be prideful about it. Now, I would say as I got older and I started to go into other communities, especially college, like I, that's when I had to understand, like I had to be, I had to find some type of middle ground, right, because, you know, coming from the south side, it's just in up up around all black people, what happens is like, yes, you're super prideful. At the same time, like you just don't trust white folks because you don't know how to interact with them either. So people people around you tell you like, never trust a white person. Like they always got it out for us. And also like, since I've never been around them, I don't even know how to communicate with you. Cause I'm gonna automatically assume that we have nothing in common. So there is no conversation to be had. So it's just like, when I went to college, that was when I started to figure out how to maneuver in their world and that's how I got got to the middle today. So in the middle in the middle of that Venn diagram. So I think that, you know, like like you all said, like being in the middle of that Venn diagram is really important because I look at it like when when I became a lot more educated, when I went to college about the way white people move, I started to look at them differently, right? I started to look at it as a, as, as a learning tool. Like I wanted to use them as a learning tool rather than trying to say, like, you know, we have nothing in common. It's kind of like, you have to move, like, you have to move like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Right. So really just trying to understand like how they don't, how much they don't know and what I don't know about, about them, but also understanding the way that, you know, they live, like, the way their family uses money, the way that they look at money, period. Like just the systems that they have in place that ensure like they're good and they're set up for life, and in doing that and asking them these questions, I think that's how I got closer to the middle. Uh, to the middle, so I would like, I oftentimes I mocked them with their mannerisms, like as far as saying "awesome," like I never said "awesome," and so stuff, I got into the real world, You're crushing like it. awesome, <laughs> like bro, it, it don't even sound right coming out my mouth straight up, and like 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 little shit like that, like really like talking about. I even had to like start learning the things that they do, like, as far as, like, watching the Netflix shows, like, you know, what is it? 30 Day Fiance, hate it, but, you know, like, this is a talk, 90 (laughs) Day, whatever, whatever. But uh, also just understanding, like, these are the things that you kind of have to assimilate to in order to be a part of that conversation. So then it's, like, this internal battle as far as, like, am I selling out right now because I'm trying to fit in with them? But you remember that, you know, you're doing this because you need, you need, you, You don't need them, but you want to use them as a tool to really just educate yourself as far as like, how do you create, you know, a foundation, a solid foundation for yourself? How do you create wealth for future generations? Because I look at every job that I've had as more of a learning experience rather than just a job, right? So meaning that everybody has, everybody around me, I work, I work with mostly white people like since I've started working, but all of them have some type of privilege that you can learn from. Like whether if it's not them, it's probably a family member that you can talk to or somebody else that does something really, really interesting that you can learn from. So that middle is really like the way that I gain trust from within that community. Right. So really like, like I said, mimicking their mannerisms, like being interested in the things that um, they're also interested in. But also understanding that, you know, I'm basically trying to learn these things so I can create resources for my people, so I can be back on that other side of the Venn diagram to where it's like I can be happily militant, I can be financially independent, I can do whatever I want to do, right? So it's just like maneuvering corporate America, but always keeping in mind that, you know, the ultimate goal is like to be Robin Hood for the most part. So yeah, that's how I kind of look at it. And that's why I think it's always safer to, you know, always stay in the middle because I can never be ashamed. I can never be on that ashamed spectrum, even though I had that, I had a mini crisis when I first started working. I'm like, I'm doing things and saying things that I usually don't say on the regular. Am I selling out? But I think that I've been able to learn how to be in the middle and also like stay a little bit more on that um super, super prideful, super militant side. Like always keeping that in the back of my mind. Cool,
3: man. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I got a little mad, sorry. I got a little mad when you said
0: it. <laughs> so is very different, I guess, from everybody else it's just because I grew up kind of in a multicultural household. Um, I did have that moment with like, Bryant where I felt, like, kind of like a sellout, and I'll just tell y'all about it real quick. So, where I've, I feel like I've been on this Venn diagram is kind of in the middle part, but also, like, on the ashamed part as well, which it sucks to say, but, like, that's kind of, like, been my walk of life just because I did grow up, you know, uh, with a white father. I did grow with white siblings. I did go to Uh, all white schools one of six black people in my white school all the way from elementary school to the end of middle school it was nothing but white and just those few black people and so um yeah man I was taught very differently I was taught so differently and uh to the point to where when I went and got in contact with other black people I couldn't even have a conversation with them it was never anything to talk about I was looked at as like whitewashed or like a sellout or like oh you go to private school with them white kids and stuff like because I would use correct grammar or what, you know, society society says correct grammar. I would speak, like I was educated, I would read, and it came off as if I was being pompous or, like, I felt like I was better than them. At the time, I didn't even realize, like, that's how it came off. I was just thinking, like, um, this, this is who I, I am. Yeah, this <laughs> is who I am. Like, I didn't know that it was any different. And so at that point, I almost kind of put back people black people on the back burner. Like, I was like, all right, well... They black and I'm black, but we don't have nothing to talk about black girls, boy, they used to dub me so hard. It was crazy, bro. I had no luck with black women at all. And so I didn't even like black women up until middle school, bro. I only like I only liked white women up until oh. middle school, bro. And uh, my mom actually kind of brought me back full circle, where she was like, "Damn, so you wouldn't date somebody that looks like your mom? Like, oh, Shit. hey, mom always hits you with the real talk <laughs> when you yeah,
1: need it. Mom always hits you with like, like, What that's you that's- doing? That's-
0: you moving funny out here. And my mom, that's my funny. mom. <laughs> <laughs> it brought it full circle for me so that's when stuff started getting real um i was in the house like sometimes just because of who i grew up with we would go to like these holiday events like easter and christmas everybody was white everybody would look a certain way talk a certain way and so sometimes i feel like i wasn't like you know i didn't i wasn't good enough i didn't speak you know very well and do everything this way and say awesome and, and good job and, and talk about the latest 90-day fiance, like, shit that I really wasn't that interested in but was kind of forced to be interested in because that was my environment. Like, when I was in school, all the, the white people would be like, oh, he raps and he plays, like, sports. If you know me, I can't rap for shit. And, mm-hmm. like, sports was not my thing in middle school. I don't know if y'all saw the picture I got on my Instagram. I had the little goggles. and oh, I not yeah, that big. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so it was just like, okay, damn, because I'm black. Now I got to be this person that I'm really not. And so I really felt like a shame. I was like, damn, why is this so hard for me? And like, I would go to other black people in school and they would either look down on me or they wouldn't even have shit to talk to me about. So it was like, I ain't had nobody to go to. my brother, like it was one person, but me and him, we were like on a different chapter at that time, we weren't really like speaking like that. And we weren't really close to have those conversations. So my eyes began to open finally when I was- um. You wasn't woke. I wasn't woke. Okay. And so I began, I began to wake up finally <laughs> when my parents, they finally let us go to like public school. My um my freshman year, man. When I I feel like that was my first time meeting black people for real, like mm. meeting mm. knowing black people freshman year in high school, man. I get out there, man. First of all, ain't none of the dudes like me, cause all the females was all this one I had made my little you know came up a little bit the glow up, you know what I mean? Talk about that, man. Got rid of the glass, had the contacts in, so you know it was checking for checking for the kids, so. Uh, all the females was all in my face I was like damn she a shit she finding shit they got Spanish they got black they got like everything out here other than white and I was like okay well I'm gonna put white people in the background now I had to learn like the slang I had to learn how to fight I had to learn how to essentially be black if that's what they call it because I was still like that whitewashed kid so I really feel like that freshman year transition really kind of helped me out and that really kind of got me where I am today in the middle sometimes like because of my situation, I do come from a multicultural household. I have an entire white side. I have an entire black side. So sometimes I feel like if I speak out on these issues, it might kind of separate Mm. me and my family a little bit. So I'm afraid to do that. Um, And then sometimes when I don't speak about it, I feel like, damn, I'm selling out on my fucking coach. Like me, (laughs) I'm selling out. And I feel like this. I I shouldn't even have these I shouldn't even be like hesitant about this because this is me. I could have been the person shot. Whether they agree with it or believe it or not, that could have been me. And so. It's really hard, like, and it's it puts me in a really awkward situation. They don't even address this, like, at my job. But I know I'm not like super woke. I'm not that guy on the front lines out there, like, yo, stop this bullshit. Like, I wish I was, that that's just not me. But at the same time, I'm not like ashamed. But I feel like I'm in the middle, like mm-hmm. they were saying. Like, I feel like I'm becoming much more woke. I feel like I'm starting to see, like, just how big this is and how much this does affect us. So that's kind of where I stand uh, in my.
1: So I guess um, just the like talk more about like the Venn diagram, like Christian just spoke on um, just like the microaggression, I guess the mic, not the microaggressions, but the micro traumas that come along with even coming into your own, right? So, or or getting into the middle of that Venn diagram, right? So can you all like speak to just some of maybe the micro traumas that you all have experienced and getting and finding that middle and maintaining that balance in the middle?
3: Yes, I'll start first. Uh, The micro. um, Things that have... I would say that becoming politically correct when and how to talk. I would say that's one thing that uh, from a micro um, that was something I really had to pick up and learn very fastly. Um, Just off the... um, I would say as an example, just understanding that because I do have white friends, so understanding that everything that they do is not the same that I do. Even though we might have grew up together, I understand that it's not the same. Um a prime example is is that when I was younger and very ignorant to the fact, I had some I had like a friend over, I had a bunch of friends over. One of them just so happened to be white and we was all talking. I want to say that we was about either twelve or thirteen. And they um you just like blatantly throwing around like the N-word. Like it's just us, I didn't I'm not gonna say I didn't see color because that's obvious BS, but like that was my boy, I grew up with him, it was no issue. And my dad overheard him saying the N-word, referring to like me, and I was joking about. It. He like I didn't think nothing of it. And then they um once everybody left. He like really sat me down and like reprimanded me about that because he was like, you don't ever and honestly I'm giving you like the summed up version because if you uh yeah, so <laughs> we just going I just had like a little flashback, so I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks,
0: huh? you start
1: shaking over there,
0: huh?
3: You <laughs> see flashback, like you just see me just uh uh, but, um, yeah, like he, uh, he reprimanded me about that and it was just like one of those like microaggressions of just allowing somebody to call you out, out your name, especially that, um, being that he was white. Now he understands that dude was 13 as well, so he might not have understood it, but he definitely had me call my boy back over the next day and sat him down to let him know like, Hey man, like look. I overheard y'all talking and to this day, I don't let anybody even try to say it. Not because my dad reprimanded me, but because I, like you, I educated myself on not just that, but just a plethora of different things about the black community and the black struggle that we had to deal with and in our time here in the states, coming to the states, the whole the whole thing. So once that happened, I pretty much like I'll check somebody. If you decide to call me outside of my name,
1: within
3: mm-hmm. um, reason, because if it's corporate, I'm not gonna do that, I'm gonna just go to HR. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna reach out to HR. <laughs> Yo, speaking of HR, what you got, Mike?
2: <laughs> um, that was a that was a good story, Mike. But um,
3: appreciate <laughs> <laughs> We all had it. We all had it. Yeah. That's why.
2: When I, it's, it's funny. I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna kind of use your story because it reminded me of something so like when we talk about micro traumas right like i said i went to private school but i lived in the hood i went to private school maybe kindergarten to up to high school i can never remember a time i was invited or invited white folks to my house and they were in my class so i say that to say obviously our parents because our parents are making these decisions for us right who you go with, who you friends with. It was obvious, it had to be as we adults. I'm 30 years old. Um, it's obvious that they knew where the line was was drawn. Yeah. Y'all yeah, could play together, y'all yeah, could be on the dodgeball team, the basketball team, the debate team, the this team, the that team. Yeah, I could, y'all yeah, could uh integrate in class, but once the bell rings at 245, we go our separate raids. I took my ass on the bus with my parents or drove. Back to my zip code and they went to their zip code and their zip code was the zip code where the school was. Mm-hmm. So and I'm saying zip code because the people that listen to this, it may not be in New York or Brooklyn or the Bronx, but you could relate. It worked the same relate. way. The exactly. Way. Exactly. So that's one thing about race for micro trauma. Another thing, just more so how we deal with how it's for black men on this, how we deal with women. Like my parents got divorced when I was nine or ten. But Then they became closer friends when they got divorced. So my interaction with women was kind of like friend over, over lover, to for lack of a better term, you know. So that was a micro trauma. Like when anyone that dealt with divorce, like the kids are affected the most because you don't one is you don't really know what that means per se. You see, like your parents are moving out. Now we have two places to go. So, you start building these things, um you know, black men, we already have a lot of insecurities with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to treat like black women better, but a lot of times, just we don't know any better to treat them better, and we're learning as we go, not to make an excuse for us um, and just again, I'm bringing back that call i d situation It's just like we know what to do and what to say to black folks, and we get it from our parents because that's their way of trying to protect us, mm-hmm. right? And you see a white person, like, you be polite, and that's the only way you're going to get hired. You know, wear a suit and tie for the interview. Like, make sure you have everything ready for this. It's all to to get into the white person's world. I'm not even going to say white men, because I think a lot of times, like, people, white women get off the hook for some reason. Always, and, always. Right, yeah. there's always... Oh, white men! White men is like why we, why we.
1: White women be in the hood teaching us.
2: White white women are the main white liberals that vote for Bernie Sanders and go to Travis Scott concerts. So we put our guard down, mm-hmm. and they listen to Lizzo and they listen to Beyonce. So we think they're cool. Like Molly's all she's cool, but she's just as bad because she wants to feed us welfare checks and she wants to feed us uh, government assistance so we can stay in the hood. But so I just went on a little rant on the white women part, but
3: um. You said Molly. i am <laughs> call him
2: Karen, man. I hate it. Karen, Karen, that's the word. About that? <laughs> Karen. I definitely thought about Karen. Call Karen. Him Karen,
3: man, that's what they call. Him.
1: Yo, but um. Oh, go
2: ahead. No, I, I was I was wrapping yeah. up, god
1: I mean, with with uh with the traumas that I've experienced, I think it was a few like pivotal moments in my life where I was just like, yo, this really fucked me up. Um, I think it was the first one was uh, when I was in high school. I, I went to three different high schools. And the second one was a, a private, all boy uh, Catholic school, right? Mm. And um, it was, this was like, this was actually my first time that I was actually in a white person's world because it was a bunch of white, white boys, basically, white men. Most of the majority of teachers were white men. And I think that being an athlete as well, like, I think that was the first kind of trauma because it's just like, they'll say it blatantly like, you know, you're fast cause you're black, right? Or how are you, mm-hmm. you able, like they'll blatantly like tell me that while I'm in football practice. I can attest. And I think that one of the like moments that like kind of like broke, like almost, I'm not saying, it, I can never say it broke me, but it almost broke me was, it was a, it was a day we were all in practice. And at that point in time in high school, I didn't really care about a lot, but I just cared about football, right? right. Love going to football practice. But it was this one day that one of the other players, and this was another black player, but he was like the, he was the token one, right? I was not, like the coaches hated me because I was I was always talking shit. I never came to practice on time. Like I, I just, I, I was there, but I wasn't there. And um, the token black kid had, um, he left his shoulder pads at home or some shit like that, right? <laughs> So, the white coach was like, Brian, come in. I was like, all right, what up? He was like, take your shoulder pads off and give it to him. I was like, huh? <laughs> he was like, take your shoulder pads off and give it to him. I was like, why? He was like, because like he left his shoulder pads off. I was like, what the, what's that got to do with me? Right. So, that was one of the moments where I was just like, I can take my shoulder pads off right now and have my pride broken or I can, like, just walk out of practice. And so I did the latter, and I just walked out of practice because I was just like, you're not about to, like, that's not, you're, you're trying to break me down because you wouldn't do that to anybody else. Because even though I don't come to practice on time, like, every time I'm with the scout team, every time I'm on the field, like, I do something. Like, I, I make shit happen. So you're not about to try to break me. It's like it's like trying to break a slave. That's how I kind of like registered in yeah, my head.
2: When I thought of, when you said that about the shoulder pass, that's the first thing I said that's some plantation
1: type yeah, of stuff right? It's just like why me? Why did you pick me out of everybody? Like why did not you pick the kicker? Like or the order punter. Like come
2: on, like <laughs> anyone. Yeah, the anyone. Kicker. Like well, kick don't even need Like you know, what <laughs> what a kick the knee shoulder pass in practice yeah, they for? They shit on the kicker all the time. But
1: just but um the, uh, the other time was just, um, you know, because I was really quiet for the most part growing up, I think that also a part of that um, assimilation or like trying to like get in the middle, I think that, you know, I would always feel very uncomfortable around white people to where like, they'll be talking and I just wouldn't say anything. Like, and then I would be in my head thinking about like, I need to say something, I need to say something, I need to say something. And Nothing of it. I never said anything because I was so uncomfortable, and I could not relate to the topics that they were that they were uh, discussing. So it was just kind of like I was just in my own head, and I would feel shitty afterwards. Like, damn, like they probably think I'm a threat. They probably will not fuck with me after this. And it's just like that was like something that I had that I've gotten way better with. But like when I first started working, and I had to go to lunch with them and shit like that, I used to dread that shit because I know like the shit you're about to be talking about. It can't relate. You're not. It's not going to be of any interest to me. And I always feel like I have to. I have to make you feel comfortable because I know the way that I look, and I'm very intimidated. So it's just like I have to take the time to really like make you feel comfortable. And that was always something that I struggled with when I first started working.
0: Agree. I guess I I wanted to touch back uh, real quick because we went past it really quickly. But I know it's something that affects us. Like man, this is like a black black on black thing. So um. I mentioned, like, I grew up in a, on a different, like, side of the, the, the tracks, if that's what you want to call it. So we've all met this person before. Um, the person that looks like you um, is very similar to you, but they come from a different walk of life, meaning they were pr- a little bit more privileged. They, they grew up, you know, in a great school, had money and stuff like that. So they come to you and they kind of look down on you, even though they are black. Two bougie black folks, bougie black folks, yeah. whatever you want to call yeah. them. I don't like saying privileged black folks. Elitists, like, elitists. Like they kind of had that narcissistic kind of like, oh, I'm the shit because I came from here and my dad studied at Prince. Like, what do you yeah. What's the emotions that come through y'all's mind when y'all run into people like that? Because I mean, I know it pisses you off, obviously, but like, wh- when y'all come across those people, like, what has been your reaction to those people? Were you accepting? Did you try to help them see mm-hmm. the view, or were you like, man, fuck out of here?
2: Um, Malcolm X calls those the Roxbury blacks i think it's in chapter like four when he was like uh, <laughs> a black folk came up to him and said i work in banking but he was the janitor but he just said he worked in banking so it sounded better but anyway um when i see that i mean listen if if you don't know any better you won't do any better right and if i'm at the point in my life like if you asked me that 10 years ago i'd be like man you i'll call that person names or i maybe judge them but now i'm just like if that's what gets you through life that's what gets you through life you know as long as you're not putting your thumb on my head or your own people's head like if you're doing that to be a c-level at a corporation by all means do do what you gotta do um there might be a podcast with four of those type brothers talking about what do you do when someone's on the other spectrum and like wants to be so you know like it it's to your point it's the best is I guess it's the best of both worlds if you ask. Like, that's their perception of, like, what they think is ex- It's all acceptance. We're all trying to be accepted in their world or not. Like, that person, like, the Rastafarians from, Mike, I'm sure you know that being, like, Uptown Harlem and stuff like that. Like, they don't, they're not trying to get haircuts to, to, to appease you. Like, they like, hair is strength. I'm using that for an, a visual example again. They don't care about the white man's world. Like, they care about what makes them happy. They eat what they want to eat. They don't need you to give them anything. And and the person that you described, Christian, they want acceptance. They want the jewels. They want the, honestly, the crumbs of white corporate America or a white lifestyle. Like, they want, they think that's safe. And for most of us that's been in that world, you know, it's never safe because as soon as you're not valuable to them, they're going to turn, they're going to turn on you. And that's what we see in it in the world. It's like, um, like when um, like an athlete speaks out, we love the athlete when they when they jump in and dunking and scoring touchdowns. But as soon as they say something that's against the the grain, they turn on you. Um, so I would just tell that person like I'm not mad at them. Like that's what they want to do. And if, me and that I'm all about sitting down and hearing your perspective. Like me and that person sat down because I've I've met folks like that. They just like I don't want no smoke with the pro-black type side. Like, I'm a, hey. Right. I'm willing to listen to you and I'm gonna just tell you my opinion. Like where I'm from, if I maybe if I was born in Park Slope, it'd be a different story. If I was born in the Upper East Side, it'd be a different story, but I wasn't.
3: Not Park Slope. <laughs> 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 uh, I went to Hampton University, which is uh HBCU, historically black college or university for some of the viewers who may not know. Hopefully they do. If they don't, just gave you some education. Um there were or there are people like that at Hampton. I've met them. Um and it's similar to what Mark said, like what you did or who you was, it ain't really bother me. Cause at the end of the day, whether you tell me, Oh yeah, I'm from here. My parents did this because when you're in college, there's no way you're going to tell me that you're doing all this. Cause we're 18, 19 at the time when I met them. So I'm kind of like, bro, you just graduated high school. If you was doing all this, you probably wouldn't be in college mm-hmm. to begin with.
1: Mm-hmm. Parents
3: are doing this, but <laughs> it is right. what it is. Um, I just like, I just, all right, cool. <laughs> that's how i did it like yeah like because i don't i have a very like nonchalant don't really give like a fuck like type of attitude I, I treat people how they treat me i if you tell me like yo you're doing this you're doing that all right that's all fine and dandy but when you come and have a conversation with me how are you how are you treating me you know what I'm saying? Like if you wanna act a certain way because that's how you were, by all means, bro. I'm gonna treat you just like a regular person. I'm not gonna bad mouth you right to your face. I'm not gonna do it behind your back. But if I got an issue with you, I'll tell you exactly to your face how I feel. Um maybe that's just me being from uptown because that's how we do get down. Uh we we will say what we gotta say right to your mid. Frustration.
0: A lot of frustration.
3: Oh me? Yeah. Uh I wouldn't
0: go that far.
1: I, I think that, I think that, like, I would say the same thing because back in the day, because of the way that I was raised, I would be quick to try to call somebody, well, not try to call somebody, but to call somebody a coon or Uncle Tom if I feel like you're selling out. But at the end of the day, I think that, you know, it's your chosen way of life. Like, it's not really affecting me. Like, if you come at me wrong, I'm definitely going to check you. But you
3: know, if, if they come at you wrong, you're going to treat them just like you would anybody else who came it, at you wrong
1: exactly exactly so it's just like at the end of the day like you can't be and also you still are black i don't care like i still care about your well being like are you living a fruitful life are you doing things that make you happy I right, bet it ain't got i ain't got to live your life all right so i think that that's just the way i look at it like i'm not gonna treat you any differently because you want to be a be white like that ain't that ain't got nothing to do with me yeah i
0: totally agree i was just curious to know that man like from from different walks of life. The reason I asked that, for obvious reasons, you I kind of was that guy. I was that guy that was kind of coming up, and I didn't realize that's how I came off.
1: Thank you for sharing that, Mark and Mike. Um, So we got just a few questions for y'all. We just going to wrap up from now, all right? All
2: right.
1: So the first one is, and we're going to send this to you first, Mark. So um, with all the events that's going on today, I think that since this is just a repeat of what's happened six years ago, Like, what's the first emotion you feel um, when you hear a black man has been shot?
2: Um, First off, you know, like, rest in peace to George Floyd and all the rest of the brothers and sisters. Um, It's just, uh, for me, I'm going to give you a longer answer, sorry. I feel like I'm always just, like, frustrated just – for those that seen like the video of like the Amy Cooper of the world, like obviously she didn't shoot a black man, no one died, so I'm not gonna compare both stories, but I've always seen those type of things because it was closer to me, like it was, that can happen every day. Um, when a black person gets shot, it's kind of like, um, just like a a bad movie every, every time you hear it, you know, it's just like, when are we no matter what we do, uh we take two steps forward, we take ten steps back, you know. Um it's just sad. Like this is this is probably the saddest I've been. I'm not sure. Maybe it was like a mixture of like the coronavirus being all locked down. But this 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 one's been the, the saddest slash angriest I've been to the point of like I'm just calling out white folks. I see a lot of social media posts and like, we need to do better, we need to do better, but they haven't done anything for us. You know, like I have a, and I'm not gonna get into like the political aspect of, it, aspect of this. I don't vote. So, I, you know, one of those things, like if you don't vote, you can't speak on it. I would just say um, for white folks, if you're listening or not, like if you say you're my ally, when I'm not in the room, you need to be my ally. Mm-hmm. Like it's easy for you to say you my ally because you have four black friends, or you listen to this, or you watch LeBron James play. Okay. But when you're sitting at the dinner table with your white family and some racist shit goes down, that's when you need to be my ally. Cause I can't get into that room. Mm-hmm. Nor do I want to be in that room.
0: Okay.
2: So kind
0: of like sadness and a little bit of a lot of frustration, especially
2: now versus Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's mm-hmm. this shit change me. Like, all the other ones, I'm not saying the other ones didn't change me. I remember, I'm from New York, Mike, I, I know you remember, I'm to do Diallo, got shot 41 times. I remember my dad on the phone with his co-workers, like, damn near crying about that shit, you know. This is in, like, 99, 2000. Yeah, but I'm at the point now where it's just, like, one is really strive for my purpose, and that's getting off the plantation, which is white corporate America, and two is holding people accountable it's just like if you want to borrow five dollars and i say i got you next week next week i should have it or I have an excuse why i don't have it you know same thing with allyship you say you down for me you got to be down for me when it's inconvenient for you you feel me
3: to answer that question i am not sad at all I'm very frustrated and i'm very angry that this keeps happening and we keep saying that we're going to change and nothing changes. And I'm just getting to the point where I'm like, you we've done this peaceful protesting. Um, this isn't working. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm just like, the justice system was never made for us. So we have to take justice into our own hands. Um, and I know that sounds very, very like to the, to the right with how things are going but just seeing my brothers and my sisters killed and then the worst that happens is that they're put on administrative leave which for people who don't or may not know you're still paid for that they just tell you don't come to work that's it Mm -hmm. so uh, I'm very very frustrated with uh, everything that's going on and I think that you know the best solution it's gonna be that we start to take these situations into our own hands for us to resolve ourselves.
1: Yeah, I, I agree, I agree. I think that, um, you know, the, the, the shit hurts and like Mark, like this one, like I don't, it's probably because of the pandemic. So I think that right now, what's happening is with me, I think that, you know, it's actually like, it continues to in some sort of way motivate me, like Mark, like Mark, you said to get off that plantation. But also just to create for um, for my people, essentially. Like um, I think that it's also like good to talk about it because I usually don't talk about these things. Like I usually keep it bottled up, which is why like I'm usually angry anytime I hear any see any of these headlines. But you know, my therapist like really like forces it forces me to talk about it, which I appreciate because. She'll be like, she even told me like last week, she's like, when something like this happens, like you usually don't have a lot to say. So that means you have, a, you, you wanna speak on this, but you don't know what to say, or like you're just bottling up your emotion. So I think that, um, you know, like this one hit me, these few, these few deaths have hit me a little bit harder, but it, I also just use it as motivation to continue to create resources for my people. Like I got a lot of stuff that I wanna do, and it's for my family, but it benefits all of us. So yeah, it's just something that you know it, you use it. It makes you sad, but you also have to turn that sadness into or that anger into like motivation. Like it has to fuel the fire.
0: Yeah, and I'll, I'll make mine really quick. Um, it's um, like like you said, it's a combination of sad and frustration. Um, it's just like it happened, and now it's happening again. And now I feel like for some reason this time was just more real. Like for me, this is when I really like felt it. Uh, this, this last death was just like, it really hit me. And then because like once you uh, saw this one, y'all, y'all know how the pigeonhole is on Instagram. Once you get in there, you see one video links to another. I'm starting to see all these other killings and shooters and stuff that I didn't even know existed. And so it's just like, it's almost like anger. And what it's leading me to is I want an answer to fix the problem. You know, when you want to fix a problem, you need an answer, you look for the solution. Nobody has that answer or that solution. Right now, I just hear a bunch of different stuff coming from a bunch of different people. Mm-hmm. Some people say want to protest, some people say want to shoot, some people say, you know, uh, you know just pray. You know, whatever you want to do, like I'm looking for the, the right answer or the answer that we all can move on all uh, together. And I just, I can't find that. Mm-hmm. And so it's just frustrating to just see the same things over and over and over people not understand. What's up? Yeah, man? so, I guess... Oh, hold
3: on, hold on. Brian, right. uh, when we get off this, can you uh, send me that site, you know, your therapist?
1: Send yeah, I got you.
3: I got you. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I'm, I'm pro-therapy, I'm pro man. Like, as a black man, I know that a lot of times, like, they tell you to internalize things. You know, keep it keep it to yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't. But I'm pro, yo, talk that out. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, so... I'm I'm for it. Like I will pass along the information to people that I feel needed because it, it's not important, but it, it is is your therapist black?
1: Uh she's ambiguous, but I think she's Filipino. I'm not sure. I never really asked her. But they do the place that I go to has more black therapists. So I go to uh Brooklyn Therapy. Okay. In Los I think Mark you used to go there too, right?
2: I used to go there. Uh I used to go there for couples therapy too. So it's a good spot.
1: Yeah, so they got, they got I think a majority of them are women, um, but.
2: Yeah, yeah, they're, they they predominantly women and people of color.
1: It's fine, I mean. <laughs> I'll send it to you after. Appreciate you. All right, I guess just to kind of like wrap this up, um, the last question that I have for y'all, and Mike, you actually like starting to get into it, like, what are you doing just as a black man to take care of yourself in times like this, and even to deal with your other traumas that you may have had?
3: All right, so one of the first things is is that I'm starting to communicate more with uh, not just my friends and family, but just, like, seeking out, you know, to go to therapy. Um, That's first and foremost. I think that's good. Uh, I definitely started to build my relationship with God a lot more. Definitely been praying more uh, to try to find guidance. Um, And I recently uh, registered to get my gun license. Uh yeah congratulations Kane. Yeah I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Uh just had to go do my fingerprints uh, uh last weekend. So you know, just waiting for them to really like push it through. Thank god I don't live in New York anymore. I live in Jersey so I could get it a lot quicker than I can. It's automatically six months when you're in New York. But well, I think it's about thirty days here in Jersey for me to actually get my license. Um Unfortunately, it's not a concealed carry because I just feel like at this point that where everything is going, the best thing for us to do is to be able to protect ourselves. And that hands up, don't shoot, doesn't work when they have their guns pointed at you. They're not going to listen when they're in a position of power. Mm -hmm. So I feel that if we're on even grounds, at least I feel like I have a good chance of making it out than me just not having anything. So those are the three things I do. Therapy, uh, at least seeking therapy, praying and to protect myself. Got you. Power, man.
2: Mark, go ahead. Um, for me, just disconnecting uh, with people that don't matter um, and connecting with, pe- connecting closer with people that matter. That's, you know, my partner, black woman, my parents, um, black folks like y'all, you know, I kind of like veered off, not veered off, but like in corporate America, like you mingle with all these different people and races and stuff. And that's cool. But at a time like this, white folks, you can't tell me how to feel right now. And that you're sorry. And then I need to speak to people that have been through it and know people that have been through it. And just also just like quit my job. Honestly, it's. I can't call. Person a sellout when I'm still trading five for two for a white person's dream. I just can't do it. I can no longer do it. i Have to invest in myself.
0: Got you. Shit, if you quit right now, you might actually be making more. They're getting twelve hundred dollars a week on. I mean, um, oh,
2: that's about to, that's about to be a, that's
0: about to be a wrap. Yeah, at all five. <laughs> that, I mean, that's not the worst idea i heard. So I'm just saying, you know, validating your point. It's
2: not a. It's, it's not a. I'd rather be broke <laughs> at this point.
0: <laughs> oh I guess as well. Um. I guess kind of the opposite of what you said a little bit, Mark, like, I will be okay, like, if, if some of my, um, my white counterparts would just be like, at least show that they see, even if they can't necessarily relate to me or do anything uh, to help me, that would help, especially if my family would just say, you know, we're really sorry about how everything's going on, I like, just want you to know where we, we stand with you, and like, I'm sorry to hear about that, like, I don't expect them to have the right answer, like, mm-hmm. I don't expect them to know what to say. I do expect them to not pretend that this is not happening or to pretend like this does not exist. Like, so anything will help. Um, I'm just, I'm doing a lot of working out now. I was being a bum. So I'm working out a little bit more now talking uh, to people that's like just been people that are willing to listen. Um, also trying to pray more too. uh, talking to a lot of my women friends. Uh, they keep expressing how much they love black men and how much they are there. Uh, to support and they the ones on the front lines to be honest that protest i went by was all women like for the most part black women and the videos i've been seeing is all black women or just women on there like so they'd be the ones on the front lines fight, fighting for us most of the time so yeah just um leaning on my family as well so that's what i'm
3: doing
1: well, um yeah i mean similar to everybody else the thing number one is just god like you know all praise is due to the most high like oh my god I got a roof over my head, I got food on the table, family is safe, family is healthy, and then, um, you know, just I pray every day. Every morning I get up, that's the first thing I do. Um, And uh, what I challenge, like, a lot of people to do is before you even pick up your phone, like, just, you know, give praise, like, just uh, do that. Because that phone, think about it like this, if you pick up your phone as soon as you wake up in the morning, that can determine the way your whole day is going to go, especially right now. So before you even pick up your phone, like if you are a spiritual person, if you believe in a higher power, like pray to whoever your higher power is. Um, The second thing is really just relationships, like y'all said. Um, Definitely, I've gotten I've gotten closer with my family since this quarantine has started. Um, We talk every Wednesday. We have a a check in there on Chicago, so check in, and um, you know, like uh, just uh, my therapist, like the relationship I have with my therapist. Like she's been like amazing as far as like helping me through this and like helping me also like figure out how, you know, things that have happened to me in the past affect me to this day still. So a lot of just self-development and just making sure like I'm surrounding myself with a strong support system, especially during these times, because um, you know, it can be it's a lot of darkness in the world. And that leads me to my third point, and that's really just always counting my small W's. Um the thing about it is I think that just humans, like we're just always wired to always think that we need to always achieve this big win, right? When in some situations, you just got to take the small W's and and that is the silver lining out of every situation, no matter how bad it is. And um, that's something that I think I've just been, I've been um, raised to do that. Like, my mom always told me, like, it ain't never that bad. (laughs) It ain't never that bad, I promise. And if you take that approach just in a way you live your everyday life, like you always find a W from every day. No matter how bad your day was, it's always something that you could take away from it. Like and, and always something you could be excited about and say, like I did that today.
0: That's true. Cool, man. Appreciate that. So man, again, man, we really appreciate y'all. Just like take some time. Uh, to talk about this hopefully you were able to just even just vent or just to get it off your chest or maybe just help somebody else that's going to listen to this like go through maybe some problems that they thought they were alone and now they can relate and realize that somebody else is going through something very similar i didn't hear anybody in this uh conversation say that you know oh we hate white people now like fuck all white people. like i didn't hear that so that's really good like y'all are still we all still looking for a solution this isn't just because the police doing it and they all are, are white that keep killing us, like, nobody's going to that limit where it's like, well, fuck every white person. Like, we're still human, like, and we still are looking for the solution to it. I'm just glad that we were all able to come together and have a good conversation about it and I'll hopefully, hopefully, help somebody else. Like, that's the main thing. That's the main reason that we do it. So, uh, both of y'all were very insightful that Venn diagram was fucking spectacular. And Mike, like, I love the intake, man. I love the insight and the stories that you got, man. You definitely have some very, interesting, relatable stories because we yeah. all got that story with a one white person tried to say the N-word and he was just fool. And I appreciate you, man.
3: I appreciate you. I appreciate
0: you. We had that. So we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. But once again, this is Storm of And this is B.A. And this was another episode of Made Men Podcast, bringing you everything that we think every man should know. No matter if you're white, black, skinny or fat, these are the facts. Facts, in everything, and we feel like every man in the 21st century should know about savings, investing, dating, and everything else in between. Appreciate y'all coming, man. Y'all stay tuned for the next episode.